This episode of the Expat Cast is sponsored by BetterHelp. As expats, immigrants, foreigners, people living abroad, we face plenty of challenges outside the norm that might sometimes feel like a little bit too much, especially when you add on to that a global pandemic that separates you from friends and family and isolates you in your new country. So yeah, I can understand why some of y'all might be interested in seeking therapy. BetterHelp is a great option for just that. They are an online service that connects you with a qualified therapist with whom you can do sessions via video, via telephone, or even via chat. I actually have several expat friends here in Germany who use BetterHelp for their therapy. One fellow American found it important that her therapist understands her U.S. background. For another, her insurance just didn't cover therapy, so she was going to have to pay out of pocket either way, and BetterHelp can actually be a bit cheaper than in-person therapy. One major benefit is how quick and easy BetterHelp is. Finding therapy through the German system can mean months of paperwork, a language barrier, a cultural barrier, all things that can make an already overwhelmed feeling even worse. But with BetterHelp, you actually get matched within 48 hours of signing up, and then you can get right to diving into the issues that brought you there in the first place. To learn more and sign up yourself, head on over to betterhelp.com slash expatcast. And as a special offer to the expatcast listeners, you can actually save 10% on your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp.com slash expatcast. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to the expatcast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Well, guys, we are almost at the last Advent Sunday that is coming up in just a couple of days, which means the time is running out on Thregapadfo, the third ever Germany expat podcaster's Advent donation face-off. By this time of year, I can actually get the title out in one breath without stumbling over it, which is pretty good. So I was thinking about this intro as I was going through my day today, and I I kind of knew what I was going to say, and then a crazy plot twist happened. Okay, guys, so here's what I was going to say. Things are getting dire. We need a comeback. Because last week I said I had a little slight lead on Sean from the Germany experience, who I'm competing against to see who can raise more money for Kinderlachen, which is a charity that raises money for kids in need across Germany. I think I was ahead of Sean by like 10 or 20 euros, which wasn't so comfortable. So I was saying, all right, guys, let's get me a better lead. Well, before I could even publish that episode, I lost my lead entirely, and Sean pulled ahead. And this was going to be my message. Donate so I can beat Sean. But then the plot twist came, in the form of a secret Santa. Sir, I do not know who you are. At least, I don't think I do. Maybe I do. Tell me if I do. But you, sir, are incredible. Okay, guys, so, so here's what happened. The magical secret Santa donated a hundred euros to Kinderlachen. A hundred euros, guys. I am slightly convinced that this was a typo and I'm kind of concerned. I'm going to reach out and be like, are you sure you meant it? Did you mean 10? Sir, if you are listening and you were like, oh, shoot, (laughs) I meant to put in 10. Let me know. We can see if we can figure it out. But if you really meant a hundred, thank you. That is in incredible. Really makes me stop and think about the kids who are going to benefit from that money. Total now between Sean and I, we are up to 380 euros, which is incredible. Thank
Thank you, Mystery Secret Santa. And guys, this means I got a pretty solid lead against Sean, which is good because Sean completed the challenge I dropped for him last week. He rewrote a Christmas poem to be about Thrigapadfo. He released it on his episode on Wednesday and... Guys, I listened through like three times because I really wanted to find some questionable rhymes that I could like poke at and be like, look, Sean doesn't rhyme well. But actually his rhymes were pretty solid and overall his performance was really not bad. I mean, there was music in the background. There was a dramatic reading of it. You can tell that this guy's got kids who he reads bedtime stories to. I mean, I don't like to give Sean compliments too much, but I'll, I'll give him this one. He, he did an okay job. So with that, we've got about a week left in Thregapodfo. You can still donate. Sean and I would love it if we could break 500 this year. So please come with your donations as much or as little as you can or would like to. We, and especially the kids on the receiving end of these donations, truly appreciate every bit. Now, on to today's episode, we have a returning guest. Today's guest, Katie, was on the show early 2020, which some people might remember because, you know, it was a globally traumatic moment in history with the dawn of the corona pandemic. And Katie came on. She is an expat couples counselor, and she gave us some tips on cross-cultural communication in relationships, as well as some lockdown-specific tips. Well, since then, Katie has had a baby, she has written a book, and she is now a transformative grief guide and licensed counselor, which she talks about in her book, The New Face of Grief. Katie is an expat herself. She is an American living in Munich. And in this episode, she shares how grief has played a role in her own life, how it has impacted her expat experience, and things she has learned through her own experience and through her professional experience that can help us out as we go through different kinds of grief as expats. So let's go ahead and enjoy the episode. My name is Katie Russler. I am from the United States and now living in Munich, Germany. It's been five years here. And I am a transformative grief guide and licensed counselor. Very cool. And your name or voice might sound familiar to listeners. We were just talking before we hit record, trying to figure out when it was. And I think it was right in the heat of the onset of coronavirus in Europe. So like March, April, 2020. Yes. And we talked about relationships. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it was a really cool, helpful episode, especially at this time when we were experiencing lockdown for the first time. It's so interesting to see as we fast forward now where we all are. And as we get into the topic today about grief and expats, I mean, we can we could go so many different ways with this, Nicole. There truly is. I mean, I was thinking... We're recording this on the day that the Freiburg Christmas market got officially canceled. And I it's a silly thing, you know, it's just a Christmas market. It's it's fun and nice, but it's in no way necessary to life, right? But it did just hit me hard. I was really happy and excited to to have it this year and I was getting all grumpy and in my feelings about it being canceled. And I was biking home knowing we had this conversation coming up being like, and there's yet another form of grief that we're experiencing these days. Yes. Happy things, together things, community things like Christmas markets. Right, yeah. right. And I, that is the, I think the important reason why this topic is so timely during this time, because we used to think that grief was just connected to death. And the reality is, and most expats know, grief grief is 
not just about death. There's a lot of things that are times where we experience grief or situations where we experience grief. And I think as expats, especially, we're familiar with the transitions and the changes and just even the process of moving and how much grief comes with that. And now here we all are in our you know different countries and there's grief now with life either changing again, going back to what it was a year ago, which we hoped would not happen again. Um, so grief is very relevant right now. Okay, I'm, I'm sort of torn between two questions and I think I'm going to, yeah, I think I'm going to go with this one, which is just sort of to orient ourselves. I mean, we've already touched on a couple of things, but when we talk about the word expat and we talk about the word grief and we put them together, what are some examples of ways that expats experience grief? You know, what are some signatures of those two specific things in combination? Right. So, well, let's let's just change the definition of grief. I think that helps people get a better context. So for me, grief is the emotional, mental, even physical and spiritual experience we go through when life doesn't go the way we thought it would or should. And often when we move to a new country, it's sometimes a surprise and a shock to our system. Like it's usually a great idea. Oh, let's go here. Let's go try it or a job or something. So it's not usually the plan until it shows up. And we're typically you are really excited to do it. But there is the saying goodbye, there is the releasing uh, the dreams of what was going to be there in your, maybe your old neighborhood, your old community, and, and things like that, and how overwhelming that can become. At first, you might be like, oh, I thought you know this would be easy, and then saying goodbye repeatedly, it's like having roots in the ground and slowly pulling each one up. And so there's a grief process there of realizing you're no longer going to be a part of people's lives the same way and and vice versa. And then we move to a new country and we go through the process of acclimating and assimilating. And it's challenging because at first it's exciting in a new place. Like, you know, oh, why do you do it this way? And oh, that's cool. And what is this food and things? But the longer you live in a place, there is that like, I miss my life before when like these things made sense or, and I missed understanding these things. And I, I'm hearing my friends get together for that, you know, time of the year, we always got together and now I'm not there. And so there's that grief work of letting go of the old, the, how life would go and looking at what your, in a sense, new normal is in this country. So I think really some of the signatures of expat grief is that the longing and the missing of the old, the thinking that the grass was maybe greener over there when often I I go, especially with my clients, I go, well, let's talk about what were the problems you were having in that country too, or the things you didn't enjoy in your neighborhood or with your job there and bringing them back because it's easy for us to get nostalgic and only see the sweet part of things and not also that there were some salty and difficult times too. I find that with um, expats who are grieving, there's just this negativity about the environment they're in now. Nothing is right. Everything is wrong. I don't understand these people. It's continuing to separate themselves from the people that they live around, identifying as very different from them. These people do it this way. And it's sort of the all or nothing thinking, right? It's like, they're all like this. It's all from a place of emotion. It's all from a place of, 
I'm not adjusting and I'm not comfortable and I miss the old. And even if, and so my husband and I moved here five years ago, he had his reverse culture shock, which I may have talked about in our last uh, episode together. And he struggled and he grieved. And I was all like, I love this new place and this is wonderful. <laughs> and then there was a like, but I do miss, I miss Target. I miss Chick-fil-A and I miss my old, you know, I miss my friends. And, but I also like these things. So that it's this juxtaposition of like, I don't like how they do these things here, but I also do enjoy these things. It is such an interesting dance when we're grieving to sort of create this new life we're going to have. So you can be excited about being in that new country and you can even enjoy many of the things, but there's still the grief process of like, I got to let go of what will no longer be where I was. And even if you move back, we can experience that detachment, sort of that I am a triangle sort of movement of, I don't fit in anymore. And that's its own grief process. And I'm interested, something you mentioned there a couple of times was the word missing. You know, you're missing Target, you're missing these little aspects of your neighborhood. How do you differentiate then between missing something and grieving something? Missing something is just like that momentary, like, oh, gosh, it would be so nice if. Grieving is if this is like a constant in my mind, a regular thing that I'm not able to let go of years later, and I'm still uh, almost kind of complaining, <laughs> still <laughs> going, oh, I can't stand that this is this way, then there is grief work that needs to be done. Another thing that occurred to me when you were explaining it is how this might hit people repeatedly at different times of the process. So for instance, something relevant out of my life right now is I found out that my brother is having a baby and this is the first time that I'll become an aunt. This is very, very exciting. Yes. And that, for instance, set up another level or layer or moment of grief in my experience. I, I think I would coin it grief at least because it was a concept before, right? This idea of like, ah, I might yeah. be living abroad when big life moments happen, but I don't know, like a wedding, like, yeah, you want to be there, but essentially... For me, I'm like, I want to be there for the marriage, not just the wedding. So I can make peace with that. But being an aunt from a different country, yeah, it was a concept in my head before, but it's about to become a reality. And, and what that actually means is about to become a lot more real. And so this is another moment that it's bringing it back for me, although I've been here, you know, four years. But I, 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 I guess what I'm getting at with this is just I would suspect that it doesn't actually have to do with a certain timeline or even a certain series of events, but rather this is something that can kind of surprise attack you at any given moment, depending on the circumstances you're in. Totally. Because if you think about it, we kind of have dreams playing around in the background of our minds. So like with your brother and you going like, well, I kind of thought I would be there to watch my niece or nephew grow up or I should be there, right? Because I'm going to be the aunt. And so there's those woulds and shoulds that we don't have to face until the reality is in front of us. And it's like, oh, I'm I'm not going to be there. Like, I, I didn't realize I was dreaming I would be, but wow, wow, that actually is important to me to be a part of this niece or nephew's life. And how do I make sense of that now? Because I live so far away. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, <laughs> I mean, we can always bring the pandemic into any given moment of the conversation. But uh, yeah, that, for instance, so that these outside forces that sort of disappear and then you're like, oh, OK. And, and now now it's back on the top of my mind. Right, right. And yes, it's not only just the timeline of moving, but it is 
those constant reminders that life is different than we thought it would be. And that can happen with relationships, that can happen with milestones for people in our home country. And we're not a part of them like you're experiencing. Um, And it can happen like certain times a year, like the holiday times. And in the last two years, many of us have experienced not being able to return to our home countries to have those holidays. And there is that grief process with that as well. So think about grief, not only as most people think like, oh, sadness, but there's really this yearning and longing and pain that things are not the way I keep going back to would or should, because that really is what it is, isn't it? It's, well, yeah. I thought it, we, I would be able to, I should be able to, and it's not happening. So it can be a variety of timelines or, or experiences throughout our expat process where we go through that. And I've even found that, you know, people who've lived overseas for 10 plus years um, have an experience of, whoa, all of a sudden it hit me like, life is really different than I thought of, you know, and you would think, well, 10 years in, you should be like, oh, this is normal now. But all of a sudden it will hit you. And it's just being aware of that. I mean, it's almost like the whole topic of homesickness where it can hit you at the weirdest moments. I can imagine it's something similar. Even if you've been there a really long time, you might just walk down the street one day and then all of a sudden just, I don't know, look at a car and notice it's so much smaller than the cars in the U.S. And yeah, right. to kick it off, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm a mom of three and navigating parenting here, this is very different than what I imagine parenting to be like or the type of parent I would be. You know, I I always thought I would be that PTA parent and all these things, but I still don't know the language well enough to be able to be in those roles or I choose not to because I'm, you know, concerned of the language. And I've had to grieve the mom that I thought I was going to be based off of being in my home country versus the mom I am here, which I still think is an outstanding mom, but it's just not the same as I thought it would be. Often it's just kind of the mind game. Grief for an expat is more of the mind game than let like there's literal events happening. It's um, coming to terms with uh, letting go of those dreams that we've had for a while. Well, this is the other thing I wanted to ask you, if I may bring it to the personal. I just wanted to ask, so how has grief played a role in in your life, in your experience as an expat? Minus being an expat, just grief in general. The end of 2018, I lost my mother uh, without any warning or expectation that it was going to happen. And then the following year, I had two miscarriages. So those were the three major whammies basically of grief that led me through a process of realizing growing up as a military kid, I experienced a lot of grief. Experiencing my parents' divorce, I had a lot of grief. Um, Going through a lot of transitions in my life, um, even rites of passages like going to college, going to grad school, starting my first job, there were little bouts of grief throughout all of that, which led me in 2020 to start writing a book on how grief really isn't just about death. Grief as an expat has played out much in a different timeline than I thought would. As I shared, I was really excited to live here for the first couple of years. I was like, this is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And then it hit me, um, I think as the older my kids got and the more life that was happening that I was not a part of for my family uh, in the States, 
that's when grief really started to hit for me because it just felt like this isn't the vision for raising my kids, as I was sharing before. Wow, I'm missing a lot of milestones of like my nephew. I'm I'm not seeing these events happen. My during this pandemic time, my my family hasn't been able to come and meet my youngest, who was born this January 2021. So it's been really challenging because it's like, no, this should not be this difficult. This was supposed to be different. For me, the grief wasn't so much about living here and adjusting to the culture, though that comes up too, but more how I really did think life was going to go and how that's having to shift because I live abroad. Yeah, it's like all these concepts that when you're signing up to move abroad, you might know that these things might happen, that you might have kids, that they might they might have a different upbringing or they might, you know, these things, but then living it out is just so different and so much slower and and more real than a fleeting thought of like, oh, yeah, it might be hard one day, but you cross that bridge when you come to it. And it sounds like basically crossing that bridge, you know, when it's actually happening, that it really starts to get painful. What has helped me in my grief process is to still find ways that I can incorporate like basically the old me, the United States, Katie, in a sense, Mm -hmm. here. And like, so I live in Munich and there's Girl Scouts here. So as soon as my oldest was old enough, I'm one of the Girl Scout leaders because I was like, that I can do. (laughs) That I can be a part of. And so we, we have that little thing that I can share that I grew up doing. And I can share it with my daughters and they're so excited about it because it's new to them and we speak English the whole time and it's like, oh, and learning new things. And I can share about what it was like for me growing up being a part of this organization as well. So I've figured out ways to still tailor, you know, like I don't let the grief then just hold me down from going, okay, life is crap and this is where I am. It's been, okay, I need to grieve this so that I can think creatively again. Because often in grief, we like our creative thinking is just stifled. So it's hard for us to see any positives. It's hard for us to reframe things. But as soon as you allow yourself to grieve and release that, well, okay, life isn't the way I thought it would go or should go. So here I am. How do I want to create this life now? Okay, well, these are the things that are available that are similar. And that's what I'll incorporate. And I mean, silly things like when we grill, we usually end with s'mores. And that's just because I grew up doing s'mores. And and here, that's not a typical thing in Germany. But we do it. And we introduce our uh, my daughter's friends to it, too. You just have to bring in those pieces of you that maybe seem silly and, and trivial, but still make you feel a little bit of like, there's the old me or there's a bit of home that I still can feel comfortable with. Oh, I'm so sorry to even hear about this, um, how your mom passed away. How does that concept then apply to moments like that where it's, I mean, it's a traumatic experience for everyone to go through. And then also you're you're far away. How, how can you apply this concept there? So when it comes to grief that has nothing to do with you being abroad, except for the fact that you are away from the event, a lot of the grief work I have had to do is is very purposeful because when you don't live by the people that you should be grieving with or would normally be grieving with, and you're not around the environment that will constantly remind you of it, it's very easy to put it off. And it's very easy to forget about it. Um, Even with a big loss like my mother, you know, you can get really busy and go about your day 
and in your neighborhood here and not think about it. But I have been very mindful and purposeful in still thinking about it, in allowing myself to grieve, because I knew if I didn't, it would impact my life here. It would impact me as a mother and as a wife, uh, as a friend, and even as a family member abroad. It would be easy for me to avoid phone calls from the family because I don't want to talk about it. However, that in and of itself is unhealthy grieving and then leads to things like addiction and unhealthy habits that over time really compound upon each other. So when it comes to the losses that I experienced being abroad, I just had to be way more purposeful and um, mindful of grief and allow it to happen, almost scheduling it basically like today is my grief day and I'm going to feel it. And I'm going to not just wait till the anniversary to feel it, but I'm going to really, especially those first two years, really going to experience it. And writing that book was, I was writing it during the second part of my journey of grief because I had come through the first year and I was into the second year of the loss of my mom as I wrote it. You have to face a lot. And the book incorporates stories from women all around the world who've experienced a variety of types of grief. And so reading their stories, like I was faced with it on a regular basis and that was intentional. And I find as expats, we can easily skip that part because we go about our lives and go, okay, well, that's sad over there, but I can detach from it over here. And it's a shame. Uh, It makes it really hard. And honestly, I work with my clients on finding traditions and rituals to still bring closure because if we were home, we would go maybe to the funeral site or we would pass my mother's old law school. I would drive by there or her old job and I would have those constant reminders to allow me to replay the memories in such a a positive way of going, okay, that was her favorite place. Let me go and sit there on the bench and think about her. I don't have that here. So I have to be very intentional with those moments. Man, you're bringing up how it's actually possible, even common to forget something as big and painful as that is so validating to hear because I've also experienced that. And and it blew my mind. I mean, I, I, I think that's one thing of expat life that I was not expecting at all. You can just be in your own world and, and totally forget one of the things that I went through was illness in my family. And so there was like treatments going on. And of course, I knew about the appointments, but they were so conceptual. And and the communication was, of course, staggered because of time zones and whatever. So first off, I was getting the information in a different way. But on the other hand, I also, you know, I could wake up and go through my entire day before I got a text message when it's East Coast time at, you know, seven in the morning. And I'm reminded, oh, my God, my family members on the way to yeah radiation or something you know and and i wow. didn't think about it until right now and it just feels for me it felt really a double layer of pain cuz it was guilt yeah it's out of sight out of mind actually had a family member uh, at the beginning of covid have radiation treatment as well and it was like katie you need to check in because yeah. we won't there's just so much going on in our lives here <laughs> right So it is important that um, you, it's like having to live not a double life, but a life and then remember the other life too. Yeah. And that can get exhausting. And yes, it is very easy to avoid and disconnect. And frankly, there's probably expats listening to this who have hopped country to country in order to continue to avoid, but you still have to deal with what occurred and the sadness and the pain and the hurt. 
And that's the piece that we forget. It That stores with us. That's where we have the insomnia and the headaches and the stomach problems and you know all these physical issues because we store it in our bodies, not realizing it because we think it's an emotion and clearly it's in our mind and actually it's in our bodies. As expats, we have to be really careful of our health because it can be greatly impacted because again, we're busy thinking about other things and our body is going, wait, wait, wait. No, no, I remember. <laughs> Well, and now I want to ask almost the flip side of that. So when you have something that you experience in your life here and your people back home didn't experience it with you. So like what you mentioned earlier with your miscarriages, Mm -hmm. that's obviously a huge experience that you had. How do you share that with people who are not there to experience it with you? I think it depends on personality and comfort level. So I tend to be quite an open book with my family. We shared pretty right away. The very first one, I actually was visiting my family in the States when it happened. I was away from my kids and my husband. So I was with family who could take care of me. And it was almost like the the perfect situation for such a sad experience because I didn't have to take care of anybody and they were there to take care of me. The second one was here in, in Germany. And yeah, I think it, it was a day or two and I contacted the family and just let them know. They didn't know we were pregnant again that I would let them know when I was really ready to talk in detail about it. Because you have to set those boundaries um, or you'll get a bazillion calls and you may still get a bazillion calls because, you know, family and friends love us. But there's the other side is that it's out of sight, out of mind for them too. So it can yeah. feel like they don't care. When in reality, it's just the flip side. They're they're going about their day and their business and there's a time zone difference and they may just not think of it. So it is kind of up to the person who experiences the grief to go, hey, I'm still here and and I'm still grieving and these are the things that I'm grieving. And that sometimes can be a, a feeling of like, they just, they don't care. They forgot about me. I don't matter. But if we were on the flip side of it, we would feel the same. We would be doing the same thing, right? You know, like we would be forgetting <laughs> too and we wouldn't be checking in. So it's hard to hold people accountable to things that we would probably mess up as well. Yeah, that's actually the version of it that I experienced. When I experienced a breakup a couple months after that, I went back to the States for the holidays. And I think subconsciously, I expected this to be such a big homecoming where, you know, in my mind, I was like, I don't feel okay. I don't feel okay. But I'm going to go home. And there I'm just going to be smothered in love and caring ears, ready to hear, ready to hold me if I need to cry, all of it. And then I'm going to feel better and I'm going to, that's going to be where I start to fill back up again, right? And no, I mean, I got back and it's the holidays. Everyone has like 12 things to do. And the first time I saw my friends was at an annual party we have. So no, my traumatic breakup didn't come up (laughs) because we were celebrating the holidays. And yeah, and then we didn't have much more time together because people had other things to do. And then I came back and then I had all this hurt and pain that they weren't there for me. And it, it took a long time for me to work through that to understand like, okay, first off, I wasn't like you were saying, you need to sort of put it on the table and remind people. And I wasn't doing any of that. I I just wanted them to like read my mind or just remember this thing that's just like this concept for them. And and, and it's not like I was even sharing that much when it happened because you're far away. And I, I don't know, I was like, I'm not sending you a long text message about this raw emotion I'm experiencing, right? So, right. Um, but the side effect is, of that is that it, w- it wasn't really communicated how I was doing and, and what it was like for me. And 
you know, I, I, I felt so stung and I felt so like, wow, maybe I've been away too long. And now these friends that I've had my whole life, these friendships are ending. And this is what, you know, and it's just, it was not the case at all. And it was really on both of us and just the situation. I think that self-advocacy of, of sharing your emotions and being vulnerable is also quite important because it's also easy to avoid when you're in a text message relationship with your closest people. <laughs> right. There is some comfort in not the, having them not know all the information because they're not bothering you about it and checking yeah. in on you. So there's a little bit where it's like, it's kind of nice that you guys aren't bothering me about it. Right. And then I want you to know when I want you to bother me about it. Um, yeah. And I don't want to tell you. I just want you to like magically discern the difference between yeah. the two. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think also people don't always know how to act when something has happened, when they know the information that something has happened, but they don't know sort of the content, how it, how it feels for you. And some people would love to not talk about whatever it is. And so if you're not bringing it up, this person's going to be like, okay, and we're we're distracting. We're doing fun new right. memories. Okay, that's what we're doing. That's how we're helping, right? Right. And so, yep. That's and that's valid too. But if that's not what you're looking for, then okay, maybe we got to talk about it. <laughs> that's true. Yep. And okay, so and any other things that we can note that we could actually do <laughs> with all of this grief that we're now acknowledging that it exists? Well, I think it's you know it's good. We've talked about the fact that it's very easy to avoid. And it's very easy to feel isolated and like people don't care. The important piece as expats is that we have to take more ownership of our grief because of that, to recognize that it's there and to be willing to face it. We have to be more mindful of how is this impacting my day-to-day here? And am I avoiding it by living my life separate from all the things that have happened we have to stop as expats and say, hey, is there grief going on here? Am I trying to avoid it? And to be honest, I don't think we talk about it enough in our community, that grief is a natural, normal part of this process. And if we don't acknowledge it, that it can come and and bite us in the butt later on in different ways. And it can. I can't tell you how many relationships I've heard about from expats who were hurt because of grief, but the inability to either express what they needed to share while actually this was a bigger deal than what I shared in the moment. So it adds a different challenging layer and also holds us more responsible to our communication and to our ability to recognize it within ourselves. Um, This is the importance of, you know, knowing in your community, wherever you live, what expat resources are out there, whether it be counseling, coaching. I mean, so much is online now that you can find someone in your home country, but you can also find expats like you living in different countries around you who can be that support when you feel like, okay, I can tell there's problems, but I don't know how to deal with them, which is often for most of us because we didn't really grow up with healthy role models because they didn't grow up with healthy role models and so on and so on. So in writing the book, I really just started to see how much grief is around all of us, but especially as expats, the importance of of us really taking ownership of it so that it doesn't impact a multitude of relationships in two different countries or multiple countries. I want to ask more about what your book specifically looks like, what it covers, but but I'm going to shelf that for just a quick minute because it's time to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, 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 which -hmm. is a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. You just go with your gut. You ready? ready? 
All right. What is your favorite type or scent of candle? Ooh, cedarwood. What is, in your opinion, the best vacation spot in the United States? Ooh, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, I used to live there. Funny. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> oh, really? I don't think I knew that from last time. Okay, we're going to have to talk after. <laughs> okay. And finally, what is one thing that you recently watched that made you laugh? Oh, goodness. Probably some Instagram reel. <laughs> I really, you know, to be honest, as a, a grief guide, I find that I need to be careful with my social media to watch funny things. Need a little balance in there somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So now I'm going to go back to that shelf and take off my last question, which is your book, because I also would love if you can plug it and let people know where they can find it. But I also just would love to hear more about what's in it. Yeah. So the book is called The New Face of Grief. And it acknowledges the fact that grief is more than just death. It's a normal, natural process. But what causes this feeling of struggle and suffering is because we weren't really raised in societies or communities that knew how to handle grief. We tended to be raised to avoid, escape, run from it. It's simple as gummy bears are given to kids very often when something wrong has happened. Like, oh, you fell. Here's a gummy bear. Oh, our doctor, you got a shot. Here's a gummy bear. (laughs) And um, that teaches the body and the mind to go, you need comfort food in a sense when something bad happens, not that you can handle it on your own. Though in the moment, I've had some parents go, well, isn't that, you know, we're just trying to nurture and care for them. And I say, well, nurturing and caring for them is often just giving them long-term tools on how to handle pain and discomfort or emotional upset versus let me distract you with that funny dog video, right? You know, like, (laughs) so that as adults, we don't go, I've had a bad day. I need to go drink that glass of wine. I've had a bad day. I need to go buy these things online. I've had a bad day. I'm going to go call up that old friend and, and have a hookup. We start to go, I've had a bad day. And here are the tools I know that helped me to feel better in the long term, not just in the short term. So the book addresses all of that. It goes quite into detail about the different phases of grief, understanding that Dr. Kubler-Ross's stages or phases aren't everybody's cup of tea, but have a lot of value uh, because of the research that she did. And I show how they look um, in modern times, how those emotions show up in our day-to-day lives and how we can actually work with them to help us grow. And then the very end of the book, I go into great detail about kind of the bigger experience of grief, like the isolation we feel. You know, I, one of the chapters is about humor, how some people are comfortable laughing during grief and using it as a tool to cope. And some find it, you know, very disrespectful. So it explores it from not only kind of a scientific psychological point of view, but also with real stories. I'm very open in it from my experiences. And as I shared, women from Brazil, Japan, Europe, the United States share what they've experienced in grief and how they found a greater meaning. The whole goal of the book is to teach you how to transform pain into empowerment. The reviews I'm receiving and the messages I'm getting from readers that I've never met or talked to before is that it really is truly doing that for people. It's really helping them open their eyes to how to use difficult things that have happened in their lives to help them be a healthier person, to grow, to be a greater person. And for some to find that purpose of um, why those things happen so they can help others. 
It is on Amazon, all major online bookstores. So Amazon, Barnes Noble, even Target.com. If you're hey, that's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, and is it print and um, digital or just digital? Yes, ebook and paperback, and hopefully audiobook next year. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that you could have known this because even when we had our videos on, you did not see this. But I definitely ate popcorn for dinner tonight because I was sad about the Christmas market. So this is why I'm like, well, I already re- I already wanted to read the book, but I feel specifically called out now. I feel like the gummy bear replaced with popcorn. Bear, you yep. basically <laughs> described my coping mechanisms. So I think it's probably a good read for me. <laughs> I understand. My, I've already had the Leibkuchen out going like, yeah. okay, life. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I was conditioned the same way. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I'm not saying anything against my popcorn. It's delicious and it's doing some stuff for me. But right, yeah. But maybe I could do to read up a little bit more about (laughs) some other tools in the toolkit. So, and you have a website as well. Should I also link to that? Yes, please. Um, so it's katierussler.com, and you can find out how to either work with me or um, I do human design and grief reading uh, chart readings. I also have some courses that I offer that, you know, say you don't have the time to work with somebody one-on-one, but you still want to work on things on yourself. Um, you can find all of that through the website. Thank you, Katie, so much for taking the time and coming on the show. It was great to talk to you again. And hey, who knows? Maybe we'll talk another couple lockdowns down the great. line. <laughs> we have to keep this up. In a year and a half from now, we'll have another discussion about wherever exactly. we are at that place. Yeah, there um, we go. <laughs> so till then. <laughs> thank you, Nicole. Thanks again to Katie for coming on the show. Links to her book, The New Face of Grief, as well as her website and social media and her resources are all in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to my social media so we can connect on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast. And don't forget, you still have a week to donate to Thregapod Foe, the annual Advent charity challenge I do competing against Sean of the Germany Experience. The link to donate is also in the show notes. Thanks, as always, goes to Amy Lunky Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with a special Christmassy episode about a very cheesy German Christmas movie on Netflix. Till then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy and stay safe. Bis dann. Tschüss.